Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity, where we hear the stories, tips, and tricks from individuals who have broken into the field within the past five years so that they can share it with you, you can learn from them, and hopefully they can inspire you to make your own uh, transition into cybersecurity. Today, we have with us Simon Lidstead, who comes from a financial consulting background and has uh, decided to dip his toe into cybersecurity and start up his own business. Um, we're going to talk about his passion for cybersecurity, as well as some other topics that um, we agree on when it comes to how to manage your career and how to get in. So, uh, Simon, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, hi, Christoph. Um, thanks very much for having me on. Um, I've actually only been in cybersecurity officially for eight months. And before that, I had, well, a very diverse career, but always really focused around sales. Um, when I was 16, I started selling mobile telephones, um, followed by home improvements. I then moved on to chartering a mock pirate galleon in the Canary Islands and selling booze cruises for a few years before falling into financial services, where I spent 20 years, uh, 10 of which founding my own financial services business. Wow. So for me, I'm not going to go into the, the life changing events that happened. But three years ago, I was the CEO of a fairly large UK financial services company that I built up myself and events happened. And I went from being a very wealthy business owner to effectively going bankrupt and starting again. Mm -hmm. And for me, you mentioned the word passion and the first thing I had to do was at 45, think about what I wanted to do for the next 20 years of my life. And I'd fallen into financial services and never really had a love or interest for the job. It was mostly focused around the money for me, which is how I'd spent most of my working life was chasing the money. And that was the lesson that I learned from, mm -hmm. from building things up and losing things. So for me, moving forward, it's important to focus on something that I was going to enjoy and I'd always been interested in. And for me, for my ninth birthday, I got a ZX81. I don't think you're old enough to remember those. Um, a Spectrum, uh, followed by the next year, I think a Commodore 64. And I've, I've had a passion for technology and a love for trying to break things and improve things for years and years. So back in 2019, I decided um, after a, a sort of a year of reflection to focus moving forward on a career in cybersecurity. And Put it into context, I hadn't been on social media or hadn't needed to be on social media or particularly agreed with social media for a number of years. And the reason I wanted to go in was twofold. One, I saw the industry growing and two, it was an interest. So not having a social media account or any any experience of anyone else to draw on, I kind of used Google and stumbled across Cybrary. And for me, that gave me what I thought was a guided path to becoming what I decided on, which was a penetration tester back in January 2020 and started off the journey hyper focusing and sort of going back to the beginning, because whilst I've always been interested, I haven't got that foundation knowledge that you need. And for me, I went back and did CompTIA plus um, mm -hmm. in January 2020, then got carried away on Hack the Box and <laughs> got a little bit distracted, if I'm honest, and actually got my confidence up so much that I thought I could pass OSCP last summer. For anyone who's sat OSCP, especially with only six months study, 
um, it's a bit of a tall order and also a, a bit of a leveler for me. I managed to get two boxes. And the only reason I managed to get them is because I learned processes. And I realized at 45 last summer that being a competitive person, I wasn't really cut out to be a penetration tester, but I still had that passion for the field. So I took a step back, helped my wife build up her online business and decided to do a, a degree in cybersecurity part time for the next six years. So this was last September. And my intention was was to do that as my passion and carry on kind of working part time to help the wife. And January this year, I, through helping my wife market her business online, I came across a, a penetration testing company in the UK who were looking for some help bringing their, their services to market. And cut a long story short, over the last six months, it's brought me into the industry of the head of global sales for a penetration testing firm. But what, what it's really done is opened my eyes to my relevant experience in financial services. And for me, I've spent 20 years risk profiling clients. So talking about risk, um, asset risk, time risk, uh, capacity for loss. And after the, my initial thought of penetration testing was the job for me, I've kind of moved on through speaking to lots of industry people, reading some really good books, by the way, just a quick plug for you there. And I've realized that it's the risk profiling or risk assessment part that I'm good at and the part that I enjoy. So my focus has now ended up being on vulnerability management. So hence setting up my own firm in the last few months. Well, let's let's take a moment. Uh, it sounds like we have a, a couple followers from over on your side of the pond and a couple from over here. Um, good, good evening, Laurent. Um, good evening, Zalabon. Um, uh, Samuel Adams, good e hi. Um, hey, Pierre, Pierre Brown. Um, he's a, a great mentor and um, comes from the law side of cybersecurity and helping to teach um, those in the law industry. Uh, Hector Perez, hey, how are you doing? So let, let's talk about, so you said in 2019 that you, you decided to focus on cyber. Uh, you started Cyberary. You started focusing down that that threat um, threat penetration testing type approach. Um, what what classes did you take? What did you realize worked for you and didn't work for you as part of that um, career exploration phase? It's it's a really good question and a complicated answer. Um, <laughs> I, I came into the industry blind for what the industry really was, and I'll refer back to your book i think you say in there that there's 50 different roles if not more in cybersecurity. and from my very narrow narrow-minded external industry perspective it was either red team or blue team and for me for me and i think there's a lot of other people out there at the moment you know who who are quite similar to that who've got caught up in the excitement of being a pen tester and i learned two things one I've self-diagnosed myself with ADHD because I struggle to sit still and it explains a lot of my behavior. So for me to be a penetration tester where I have to sit down and focus for long periods of time, it was probably a bad decision. So I think failing OSCP made me realize that, but it wasn't until I got to speak to other people in the industry before I started to really understand what the routes and the options were. And I've ended up coming in a completely different path to where I thought I would come in. And I think if I'd have had people to reach out to before, I maybe would have took a slightly different route in. 
Let's talk about that process. Um, good, good comment from Bill. We this industry needs people from many backgrounds. So, as as you came in this other path, um, how did you approach it? Was it um, you mentioned it was helping your wife market her business? So, was it from the business enablement side that brought you in, and you were just um, matching your uh, passion for cybersecurity with that business enablement? That's a, it's a really, really good question. Um, it was fate, I'd like to say. So I wanted to be a penetration tester. We were marketing video promos for my wife's business through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we had a connection request from a guy in the UK who was a penetration tester. So I suppose you could call it social engineering, couldn't you? I was <laughs> my wife and hello, I'd like to introduce you to my husband. And that's how we got chatting. And I'm not going to talk about names because it's a personal story, but there's a lot of people and businesses in the industry who've got amazing services and amazing products, but no real clear route to market or strategy for that. And I came across this chap at a time where he really needed those kind of business strategy skills and a route to market. And I was meeting him at a time where I was full of confidence, apart from the fact I didn't know enough about cybersecurity. And for me, the tools that he'd created um, were tools, or he'd combined two tools. It was OpenVAS and Burp Suite, which I've been using loads through my OSCP journey. So for me, it excited me. So I had the excitement about the product that he was trying to launch to market. And funnily enough, I helped him for free for a couple of months as we became friends and got to the point where the product wasn't quite ready to come to market. And I'd had a lot of success for my wife uh, winning her freelancer work. So. I said to him at the time, he said, well, look, I need some work. Do you think you can help me? And I said, yeah, sure. Why don't we try the freelancer route? And he kind of laughed at me a bit because he didn't think it would be potentially viable. But we absolutely smashed it. There's so much work out there for freelancers. But again, it's the linking up and the marrying up of those soft skills, those negotiation skills that that I think are slightly lacking in some areas of the industry. And I honestly think, you know, I can talk about my risk and governance background for 20 years but really what I am is is a people person or a salesperson. I might be a well-educated one but that is effectively what I am and I think now I've realized that bringing that to cyber security it the business I'm getting for my new company isn't because of my technical ability because it's terrible it's because of my ability to introduce relevant technical people to the right people in businesses and match them so I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you it's because of my newfound technical knowledge, but it but it is. <laughs> well, l- let's talk about that, right? Because um, way younger in my career, I also was in sales. I sold cell phones. I sold used cars. And I would say that today I would summarize my career as I'm the connector between people and process with a, a fundamental understanding of the technology. But like I answered in a LinkedIn post the other day, you don't want me coding. And <laughs> especially if the coding is going to run your infrastructure, like I could cobble it together, but um, yeah. that, that's not where my strong suits are. So we need kind of like going back to what Bill said, we need people from different aspects of the industry. Um, talk to me about um, the, the your journey of going back to the basics and learning everything. Uh, as as you discovered different aspects of the industry, and you mentioned mentoring, and I, I really wanted to to hone in on that point and see how that provided you a value. Yeah, well, do you know there was there was never any formal mentoring, and 
the way I, the the people I've learned from. So coming into this industry, I've spoke to probably 130 people over the course of seven months, and you're talking about people like yourself, CISOs, or people aspiring to be in the industry, people who own their own businesses, who provide software, um, ISMs, lots and lots of different people. And for me. I believe in trying to learn from everyone that you speak to. And I mean, I'm no spring chicken. I'm 46. I'm a father of six children. I've been around the block a bit, but I've learned more from two people. One is 19 years old and lives in a completely different country to me, but he's inspired me with his work ethic, his dedication over the last few months. And the other one is the CEO of, I won't name the firm because it's not what I'm here for, but for a risk management firm who's young enough to be my son, but mm-hmm. I've learned more from him in the last few months he's been in the industry though 15 years you know since he left school he's he's been a, a coder a hacker and and gone through and i think if i'd have had someone to guide me from the start i probably could have had a clearer route in and i think you never stop learning no matter how technical you are no matter how many soft skills you've got you need to learn from others and having a mentor for me is invaluable even now you I mean i'm looking for someone to help me guide some of the bits and pieces with my new business. So I'm looking for someone to jump on the board who effectively will be my mentor. So I mm-hmm. think it it's key, absolutely key. I know one, one of the things that got us connected was community. Um, talk to us about the value of the information security community and the, the, the riches it has reaped for you both in regards to knowing people, helping people, as well as giving back, even though you're just one step ahead of them. Yeah. Do you know that I'm so glad you've asked me that question because all of the success I've had comes from giving back, I think. Um, not wanting to dwell on what happened a few years ago, but I went through a rough time and I realized my own values and my own visions. Um, my values before were very financially driven, so I had lots of shiny things. Um, which didn't make me happy and moving forward it what made me better was helping people um, whether it was charity work or spending time with the family or helping people who needed it and coming into the industry and being able to help someone who'd been in the industry for over a decade straight away filled me with confidence because you know coming into a new industry it's very hard to have confidence for that but equally I don't know it's it's it's, it's a really a really really hard one Chris, I'm, I don't think I've got a straight answer for it. It's too difficult. <laughs> well, I, I could tell you, I, I saw, now that you tell me the story of you building up the marketing for your wife, um, for her business, I saw that in your community building. But I also saw how your community building then impacted all those individuals that were looking to follow your route, right? Looking to get into the industry. And then you brought together those looking to get in as well as those who have more experience that also want to give back. And I know I learned from it. I know you've learned from it. Um, But that's such, uh, I I would say like creating a great network of people is such a huge key to being successful in this industry. You know, I completely agree. And for me, the reason it worked is because it wasn't driven by financial motive. So I built up a community in about three months, all off the back of I put a website together for my wife last year. And we ended up I ended up kind of just ditching it because I'd started working for the UK firm. And 
I've been caring for my mum. She's very, very poorly. She's got um, Parkinson's and advanced sort of heart disease. And I thought I was losing her about four months ago. And rather than get the whiskey bottle out, as I would have done a few years ago, I don't drink anymore. I kind of went all insular on my laptop and went through stuff and realised I've been paying out $99 for the last four months for no reason. And it was a, a website I built for her to generate traffic for, mm -hmm. for videos. And I refitted that out as a community for people with no intention of making any money. And I think the amount of people who you said where you've got experienced people like yourself, you've got juniors come in and everyone's mucking in. And that isn't anything I've done. It is literally a people thing. And spending 20 years in financial services and actually in sales in general, it's a pretty awful awful area to work in with regards to building friends and connections because everyone's so cutthroat but everyone bar a few has been you know whether they're like you who've got lots of experience or whether they're new entrants they've all been welcoming and everyone bends over backwards to help other people and I think for anyone to be successful in this industry you have to be part of the community you have to network and you, and you have to give back and even if you're only a month ahead of someone else in their journey you still know things that are invaluable and my advice would be rather than sharing what box you've hacked on hack the box, you know, which is kind of where my mentality was a year ago, <laughs> be more about um, how you can relate your existing skills, perhaps to what you're now doing and what you've learned in relation to the box that you've hacked and what that means to a firm. And, you know, I, I love that. One of the things that I've found is that individuals that don't have the experience, in an actual firm, but they've been doing things like hack the box. I'm like, okay, well, write up a, a, a report, um, yeah. but don't public it. Uh, don't publish it because there's others behind you that are going to come down that come through that same box. But you mm -hmm. you, you create a report as if you were a pen tester or yeah. if you were doing a vulnerability assessment, and and write it up as if you were talking to the CISO of that company with a risk assessment with yeah. uh, mitigations. Um, I had someone that was interested in going down the DFIR route. I'm like, okay, you hack the box and then you find all the evidence that you use to hack the box and reverse engineer that. And now you've, yeah. you've done the incident response on the hack you just did. And then you create a, a report from that perspective. And then that way you have both sides of the equation and you can speak to both sides of it. I think also it, it gives you the chance to see whether you actually enjoy doing the job because there's a lot of people who go into this with a certain perception of what, say, being a pen tester is. Mm -hmm. And from working with a pen tester for a few months, it's really not as exciting as I thought it was. Um, there's an awful lot of paperwork and reporting, as you rightly say, that the hack in the box is the fun bit. <laughs> doing the, the build review document out to the client afterwards that explains where the vulnerabilities are and what remediation needs to happen. And, you know, that isn't quite as sexy as it is the first bit. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the comments coming in is, I love the concept of building something with financial success as the byproduct rather than the goal. Uh, far for far more sincere and meaningful results. Absolutely. It, it, took, it took me 45 years to work it out. Um, <laughs> but, I'm, you know, I'm being absolutely serious. I, I look back in horror with my focus was always on money. And since it hasn't been, don't get me wrong, we still need to, to pay bills. Um, absolutely. But... I still haven't monetized that community and I will never monetize that aspect of it because for me, the initial idea of it was to help people. Now I've got a thousand people in that community. If I then try and monetize that, I'm then turning them into fish in a barrel and turning them into more vulnerable people than who I was trying to help in the first place. So for me, I'm trying to do something separate to it without doing that. So it's a really good question and it's 
I think if you do things for the right reasons, success comes. But again, it's what is your idea of success? You know, I used to drive a hundred grand car. I now drive a two thousand pound car and I'm far happier. You yeah. Know, maybe not all the time, especially when it takes 10 minutes for the windscreen to demist. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, one of the questions from John Lehman is, uh, where would you find a good resource for technical writing for um, active report writers? Um, I, I would say one of the recommendations I got is going to be old school consulting, but it's called the Pyramid Principle. And it was developed from um, from the McKinsey folks. And it's truly about uh, synthesizing your thoughts into uh, language that is as concise as possible, but clearly communicates what you're saying. I think all too often when writing, we, we fluff it up, we add um, extra adjectives and, and, and try to make it seem very designery or yeah. uh, very people like showing off their technical ability sometimes as well i think going back to report writing for me in financial services the first and probably the most valuable bit of advice i was ever given was to use the three words which means that which is always to try and relate what you're saying to what the actual client or the target audience is trying to trying to understand because as you rightly say it's easy to go off topic isn't it Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. I, I love that. Um, which means that. So, uh, and do, do you the, the statement I would use in, in cybersecurity is um, the impact of which, because yeah. now you're looking at vulnerabilities. This is how it impacts the business. Um, but yeah, you, you could still use the wit, which means that because you want to communicate to the CISO, to the business owner, why this pen test that you have a hundred pages of, report writing what does it all mean to them they they're probably just yeah. going to look at the executive summary and or they're the probably only yeah or, or the conclusion at the end um hopefully if you're, you're you're smart enough you bring the conclusion up to the executive summary right. um to, to kind of bring up all, all your findings um I think that's, that's a really good point um i mean i've been a ceo of a firm and i've managed a lot of staff and i think I'm also, as you clearly know now, not very technical. And I think you'll find that most CEOs or business owners tend to, their history is more likely to have been that of an Apple and Pears salesman on a market store than it is a technical background. So the, that dumbing down of the reports, I suppose, or simplifying of it is the, sk the skill that I see is missing the most with, with everything I've seen in the last few months. So your background, Chris, is, as you rightly say, sales and soft skills, which for a, a CISO is quite rare, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's skills and I would say I'm, I'm a hybrid, right? I know how to connect the people in process and I can understand the technology as well. Um, while I might not run it, uh, I have a solid understanding of it. So I could talk to the engineers because if I'm leading a team, they're likely going to be the experts. I'm going to help move the the blockers out of their way, help them complete their projects, help them be creative, help them problem solve, but they're the ones doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I just have to be able to communicate that back to the business to say, this is why this is important or take the business pain points and translate that back down. Um, but that's enough of me, the, the story is all about you. Um, 
So I think I think you you just hit the nail on the head as to the struggles I've been having the last few weeks. So I've had a lot of success with new clients. I've won a lot of new business. But as you rightly say, the bit you're good at is you know enough to have those meaningful conversations. So whereas my weakness at the moment is there's a lot of toing and froing going on between me and technical experts. So mm -hmm. so much so that I'm bringing in other people to that initial meeting with the client because I'm more of a project manager. I think is, is how I'm seeing myself at the moment. I can't add the value that you are. So that was a really, really good point. And it's one that makes me realize I need to study more. And if I could ask your advice on that. So for where I'm headed to in the industry, is there a particular qualification you'd recommend that I embarked on? Well, see, when it comes to certification, education, or on-the-job experience, um, my advice typically is start with the end in mind, right? Where do you want to go? Uh, as a business leader, being technical and keeping up with the technical is not likely what you're going to do. You don't have the time for it because you're building those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're hiring the experts to do that. But what you want to understand is from your clients, where are, is it, are they focused on cloud or AWS cloud? And then if that's where the majority of your business is, you ramp up on that. If yeah. you're focused on uh, application testing and secure, de secure development lifecycle, then you can focus on brushing up on that. But you only want to be able to do so at a high level, like I said, enough to have those conversations um, yeah. because you'll be selling to other business people, but you won't be selling to their technical folks. Likely that's by that yeah. point, the technical folks and the technical folks will come together and yeah. have their own conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but um, back, back to what, uh, oh, here's a good um, comment from Tyrone. Yes, providing information, knowledge, and sharing wisdom is key to our industry, decreasing the skills gap and ongoing, yeah. um, probably not going away. Um, kudos, Simon, for staying engaged. Um, but back to this uh, comment from Bill is we need individuals from different industries, right? Um, we need the ability to market um, what we're saying, because without the ability to think how communication affects the other individual, it won't get through to them. So you could be a really good pen tester, write yeah. a crappy report and it's not going to go anywhere but if you're able to communicate and convey that message to them then your your report can have a lot more impact it's very true I, i'm conscious we're running out of time can i put a quick plug in for the veteran community absolutely the, the reason i say that is when i had my own financial services business my two top performing advisors um, were both ex ex-military one was an ex-marine in the uk and one was ex-raf and the work ethic strategic thinking and just all round great job they did has always made me kind of err on the side of wanting to employ veterans myself with my own business. And all the people I speak to in cybersecurity, whether they're running SOC teams or their own businesses, they all say there's a, a lack of one particular thing and that's critical thinking. So am I not right in thinking that veterans will have that in spades because it's part of the training? So. Again, I'm seeing a big disconnect between veterans looking to get in the industry and struggling. And I think there's some real value to be had for firms there. So it wasn't a sales pitch for anything in particular, just a group of people. No, no, I, I totally agree. And um, I support a lot of veterans um, with Paul Cummings, 
the whole whole cyber human initiative with uh, Peter Klein and Boots to Books, helping veterans who are transitioning into the civilian workforce find out where where they want to work, what are their transferable skills, what what sort of roles align best for them. Um, then there's a, another great firm. Um, with you with me that looks to close yeah. that talent gap as well with veterans and i, mean, I, I, I totally doing good work isn't there yeah I, I i totally agree that when it comes to the, that ability to be persistent but yet still have critical thinking within um a high pressure situation veterans are almost hardened with that and uh they they have a lot of transferable skills that they they don't often think transfers to cybersecurity or IT. And it's just having that conversation with them to help them pull it out and see how, how it really aligns with them yeah, that absolutely. really provides them the additional assistance that they need. Well, we're, we're getting to, to the bottom of the half hour and I, I like to ask all my guests one, one question. Um, what one piece of sage advice would you give to anyone following in your footsteps <laughs> don't i like it i like don't right if you take the lesson from your financial experience yeah and you say don't pick if you're just following for money 100 percent agree with you because the burnout is going to happen so quickly of, my one piece of advice is find your own meaning of success because i spent 30 years chasing other people's idea of it and it took for me to break to find out what success really meant to me and I would spend more time assessing my goals and what my goals are and what they should be than randomly going off chasing things so spend your time working out what you want to do first is my advice totally agree with that so for everyone joining us today live on LinkedIn um, thank you very much thank you for all the questions thank you for the the back and forth for those of you joining us on YouTube don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification button for those of you listening to us after the fact on any of your favorite podcast platforms if you like this subscribe and share with all your friends and family that might be interested that way we can have that diverse set of individuals coming into this industry we need people with diverse thought diverse backgrounds diverse experiences because we need that blend of everyone in order to be successful so thank you simon for coming on and thank you all thank you very much thank you cheers